0: The Year of the Monkeys. The monkeys are coming to your town. Your Blu-ray player. Your CD player. And your computer. And you need to be prepared. What number is this, Jim?
1: Episode 62. The Monkeys on Tour. Michael Nesmith and the coolest song of the week. And more. And more. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, that's yeah. here.
2: You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast.
1: Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. We are so glad that you've joined us here. This is a busy time in the land of the monkeys, in the year of the monkeys. I'm joined by Sarah Clark.
3: Hello, everybody. And to my charming and delightful in physical space for the first time is our right co-host, Melanie
4: Mitchell. Hello, I'm speaking to you from a real microphone this time.
1: (laughs) My, you sound great. I sound
4: totally different. Yeah. I'll be much more erudite Erudite. and sophisticated today. Well, there you
1: go. That's fantastic. It's always good to be both of those things. If you don't know what they are, look them up in the dictionary with me the monkeys are on tour again after a break the guys are storming the country and and as we record this the monkeys are, are on the road and they'll take another little break and get right back at it again so this is going to be a fun summer see the monkeys while you can absolutely fun abounds we've had some cool zilch nation meetups and melanie i think you were at two of them recently would you like to talk about them
4: Uh, Yes, I managed to make it to shows in Dallas, Texas, and in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, They've got one more show in uh, Mayetta, Kansas, which by the time people listen to this will have been gone by.
1: By the way, uh, didn't that sound like a Michael Nesmith song?
4: May have been gone by?
1: No. Well, yeah, that too, but you said something about, and I was in Dallas, then I went to Oklahoma. It just sounded like a Michael Nesmith lyric.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And by the time I get to Mayetta... (laughs) If I ever return to Richardson again, I'll be able to fly home. Ah. But yes, I have been exploring uh, states I've never been to. i have actually been to Texas a couple times before, but this time I got a rental car and went exploring. I've had a wonderful time, and, and my friend Janet and my friend Sarah have been wonderful hosts uh, at both stops of my trip. And I got two Monkeys concerts in two days.
1: That is so awesome. So many people are jealous, and... I myself am deeply jealous. Uh, so tell us about Dallas. Tell us about the fan meetup. Tell us about the show. Just and, and who all you ran into down there.
4: Well, Opalina did most of the work by making a beautiful sign. And then I believe it was Kathy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, who had the buttons.
1: Yes. And so okay. we had the lovely Opalina Sales and the lovely Kathy Davini Putnam that were part of our ground crew out there to kind of organized the thing.
4: And organized it was. Um, people had no trouble finding us. Um, I had no trouble finding them, or maybe they found me. But uh, we all hung out in the lobby before the show, and some of them even hung out in the lobby after the show. We had a lot of fun chatting. And I was there with um, Kathy, Janet, Diana, and Cole, Arlene, Opalina, and Carlos, Gary and Kim, Laura and her son, who's unfortunate I didn't get her son's name, uh, Kim and uh, I think we missed Amanda, but she was there in spirit. And if I missed any names, I'm so sorry. I tried to keep track, but it was a great thing to see everybody there.
1: There was a ton of pictures posted and a ton of video and a lot of smiling faces and a lot of of cool zilch buttons the, the <laughs> buttons buttons who had the buttons they were well, very was, popular yeah it was Kathy Devaney Putnam had the buttons and her and Opalina handed them out to everybody and it was fantastic and it was cool seeing all the smiling faces with all the smiling zilch buttons that was very neat and of course you ran into fellow podcaster Carrie Gordon who had me on his show, Metal Geeks, to do an episode about the monkeys or the harder side of the monkeys, if you will, and talk about how metal fans love the monkeys. And it just it just goes to show you that no matter where you are, people from every background seems to love the monkeys. So it's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, I really had a lovely visit with Carrie
4: and um, Kim. And uh, he brought his copy of Monkey Magic, which it was nice to see my baby again. I I, uh, cited for him.
1: That's very cool. A lot of people are recognizing you and Sarah, you have your, uh, your pink party cowboy hat and Sarah, you have your pink glittering fedora, correct?
3: Yes yes I uh, got my found my because uh, I had gotten a silver fedora to wear in 2015 at the national concert and then I uh, actually passed that on to a friend so I needed a new fedora and of course when the new album came out pink party hats I immediately went and googled pink sparkly fedora and I found basically the same hat in pink I bought it it was fabulous I unfortunately didn't was not able to go to the Dallas show went to Tulsa we had a lovely pre-show gathering at the, at the Hard Rock at uh, one of the restaurants there. Jen Corley came up to uh, join us. And also, we had Tamara Walker and her husband, Justin, Jamie, Jenny, and Scott, Katie and Mike, Peggy and RJ, Ryan and Charlie. I think we just kind of met those folks in, uh, in the course of the show because that's one of the strange things that's starting to happen. I don't know if it's that I just posted a photo of myself in the hat, but... This was like the first concert where like a lot of people started approaching me and Melanie and saying, wow, you're the zilch people, aren't you? And and we were handing out buttons having conversations and people are talking about, wow, I love your show and I'm such a fan. And I'm just standing there going, this is my life now. I, I somehow... Hit the stage of my life where I have fans. It's very strange, but it's also very gratifying. And everybody who I met in Tulsa, whether or not I said your name or not, you're all awesome people. And thank you so much. And thank you so much for, uh, for listening to Zilch. And if you're any of the people who are new to the show that we handed buttons to and talked to, welcome to Zilch. You know, uh, you're now part of Zilch Nation. We're glad to have you.
1: And here's a clip of Don Ray Walmore and Dugan Collinsmore. At the show in Tulsa, check them out. They had their zilch buttons.
2: Hi everybody. Hi. Listen, buttons we're at the monkey. We're at the monkey show Yay. and it's
3: gonna be fun and we're gonna be very loud and we know all the words to all the songs.
2: That's right. So
4: we'll
5: let you know how it went. Bye bye. bye.
1: And then there was a Zilch meetup At the Mayetta Monkeys concert in Kansas Jay Knight was there giving out buttons With Debbie Lang and Janet Reese And they also ran into Jenna Mesa-Wolk, and they they had this really, really cool Zilch banner that they printed out, and it was really neat, and they showed everybody. And they actually ran into the band, uh, including Mickey and Peter, and (laughs) it was very, very cool, a good time had by all. Believe it or not, Jane Knight went to breakfast the next day with her family and ran into Peter Tork, so hopefully we'll have that story on another episode of Zilch.
4: I want to say about the the Dallas Gathering that several times people would thank me for Zilch and what a wonderful show it is. And I was always very quick to say that, Ken, you're the one who does all the heavy lifting. And all I do is put on the headset when you tell me to. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, you're underrating yourself. And, you know, this is all possible because we are all making it possible. And that includes everybody that tells somebody or shares it on Facebook or on Twitter we are a community now and you know we're all welcoming Uh, this is the band that had the Rainbow Room and we love everybody so we are glad that you're out there and we're glad to be part of this thing with you I I honestly never thought when we started this that we would be embraced by monkey fans like we have but it's it's just a very warm feeling and a very good feeling and and I, I hope that we can always say that it's been a, that we've been a positive force within the monkeys community and we hope to continue along those lines so
4: uh-huh. fantastic or, or as Mickey says at the beginning of the concerts Are you, you got any monkeys fans out there and people <laughs> scream and laugh and yell and then he says well we're gonna fix that
1: <laughs> hilarious and I understand that they added. You bring the summer to the set list. You know, I would really like to see them redo the song You Bring the Summer and have it be You Bring the Christmas. Think about it. They could keep the music the same and just add like sleigh bell kind of stuff to it. Yeah fill up the stockings and da, 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 da. You know, just, you can you bring the Christmas. I, I can just see it.
3: Yes, uh, it was in Dallas as well as in Tulsa. He uh, I think they're still working on the syncing of the song with the video, but by the time they were to Tulsa, it was actually pretty close. And uh, it's really neat to be able to look at the screen and look at the video that we've all kind of been watching and sharing our opinions about and telling all of you know social media about and then looking down and seeing the real mickey and peter singing it i mean it's it's kind of a trippy experience for us Uh, lord knows how they feel about it but it it really it, it really does it really does work and they've done a good job with uh with that
1: song so and of course if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what we're talking about there was this incredibly cool video made by michael nesmith's son jonathan nesmith and Susan Holloway, the two of them made this excellent video that was kind of like an animated take on You Bring the Summer. Sarah, would you like to just kind of describe it for folks who haven't seen it yet and tell them why they need to check this out on the YouTubes? It
3: is basically three solid minutes. It's a video of You Bring the Summer, as was mentioned, but it's three solid minutes of like, shout outs and Easter eggs to all kinds of things from the monkeys TV show and other things. There is a little bit where uh, we're at this auction scene and Mickey's bouncing the volleyball around and breaks this vase that's on top of the podium. And on the podium, it's little tiny letters that say 33 and a third. Um, There's, oh gosh, uh, pretty much every scene looks is almost like a shot for shot reframing of something from the TV show. They have this really cool moment uh, in the middle of the song where the guys are standing in various poses and it's like this one seamless morph that takes them through all the album covers from the first album, all the way through Birds of the Bees and the Monkeys. And then it even sort of morphs into imagery from head from there. It's like this sort of visual catalog from the very beginning where they, the, the, you know, the pilot monkeys all the way through head kind of through all of their early video history. And it's just, it's really cool. It's a little, it, it, the video style is a little bit funky, but I like it. I, I think it's really nifty.
4: It also has a, closing credits sequence where they show the four faces arranged just the way they are in the closing credits from the TV show and those four faces are singing and during the outro of the song
1: and and the mic does the baby, baby. oh yeah
3: that gets me every time
1: <laughs> you know it, it it's such a cool video because it it shows you how much they went through you know first off the the, the point of the song is there's rain and sleet and all this stuff but the summer still manages to come out whenever you know things get dire. The, you bring the summer, and it's no. it's it's just so cool how they do it. But it's neat to see the changes, and no no pun there, uh, that, that that happen in such a small time. Like you said, the album covers from the first Monkeys album to Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys and how much things have changed in that short amount of time. How they went through. Uh, the different haircuts and things like that and the different clothing styles and it's just amazing to think that we look back on those times as like this epic thing and it was really only a couple years
2: Mm
4: -hmm. it's
1: just amazing
4: yeah they also do um four i think it's four um concert sequences and the first one they're wearing the eight button shirts and Mm -hmm. the second one they're wearing the gray suits and then the third one, they're dressed for the Rainbow Room. And in the fourth one, they've uh, got the white costumes for Head. Mm-hmm. From Circle Sky. Yeah.
1: It's just incredible. And we'd like to thank Jonathan Nesmith and Susan Holloway for that. And we hopefully will have Jonathan and perhaps Susan on the show at some point. So we'd love to cool. talk, talk to them about all things what they're doing and what they do because we like to take a look at at what the children of the monkeys the, the the next generation if you will and see what they're up to speaking of next generation monkeys as we record this I'd like to give a shout out to Dino from the new monkeys who's celebrating a birthday today so happy birthday Dino
3: happy birthday Dino
4: happy birthday <laughs>
1: And, and we we don't we don't forget everybody. Everybody's welcome here, and we love those guys, and we love everybody out there. So it's very cool.
4: Oh, last night in Oklahoma,
1: mm-hmm.
4: um, at one point in the show, I can't remember now when it might have been during Stepping Stone. Peter did his sticking out his tongue and trying to <laughs> pretend like he's jinxing his, and swear to God, Mickey literally said into his microphone, "That's gross."
3: <laughs> I love yeah. it. I saw it. I, I think I've even got audio proof.
1: <laughs> That'd be cool if, if you do have audio. Send uh, that I'll to me. send
3: you the audio because I, I think the bit where Mickey cracked up at our hats might be there too. Okay. Unless you want to tell them about Mickey laughing at our hats. Yeah, do it. One cool moment I did want to share from the Tulsa concert. Melanie and I were both in our pink party hats, mostly so that people could find us for the meetup. And uh, she had her pink cowboy hat, and I had my pink fedora, which I already described. We got really good seats on Mickey's side of the stage, and a few songs in, we got into She Makes Me Laugh, and Melanie and I were singing along, and uh, Mickey was, you know, dancing around on stage doing his thing, and it was kind of coming over to our our side of the stage just as he started saying the line about pink party hats. And Melanie and I, we had not planned this, we just both instinctively did it, just kind of Doffed our hats to him, and he busted up laughing. It was hilarious. He actually started giggling there on stage and was, like, singing straight at us for the next couple of lines. And we I, I about died. It was hilarious, and it was just so wonderful. it was like, you know, this is our life now. Grown, grown woman, Ph.D., wearing a sparkly pink fedora and... Getting sung at by Mickey Dolenz. This is my life now, and I wouldn't trade it for the world.
1: So, Well, well the both of you were rocking those uh, pink party hats, and you looked divine. So, awesome. There, Thank there you. you
3: go. The idea that we made Mickey laugh during She Makes Me Laugh, just, it makes me laugh.
4: <laughs> she literally just squeaked. I was looking right at her, and she squeaked. I hope you caught that on the microphone.
3: Well, you know, we've made him, may have made him laugh, but he makes me sometimes feel like I'm about 9 years old. So there you go.
1: <laughs> and here is a clip of Mickey laughing at you guys. <laughs> Things are going on uh, in the world of the monkeys and some good times Barnes and Nobles. We're getting re- reports from a lot of people going into Barnes and Noble stores to pick up either the CD good times or the new gold mine magazine, which has the monkeys on the cover. And I'd like to thank Jane Knight for sending me a copy of that. So thank you, Jane. A lot of people are reporting that they're hearing the monkeys good times album over the speakers at the Barnes and Noble store. So that's pretty cool, isn't it, Sarah?
3: That is highly cool. I'm gonna have
1: to go to over to Barnes and Noble sometime
3: in the
4: next few days and see if I can catch it on the speakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to get a copy of that Goldmine
1: magazine. Yeah, it's very cool. And once again thank you Jane Knight for sending that. And you know, speaking of hearing the monkeys in interesting places, the Bare Naked Ladies, not to be confused with actual bare naked ladies, but the band, the Bare Naked Ladies. Have taken a liking to the monkeys album good times and they've been playing the album good times in between their opening band slot and while they're setting up the stage for the bare naked ladies so you get to hear the album played in between sets so that's very cool a lot of people are reporting that as well so nice. that's awesome I love the bare naked can- ladies
4: oh yeah me too can I'd like to add two things to what you just said mm-hmm First of all, uh, before the show in Tulsa last night, mm-hmm. we heard Love to Love over oh, the wow. speakers in the auditorium, but it wasn't Davey, it was Neil Diamond.
1: Oh, wow. That's a that was interesting.
4: It took us a while to figure out what was different about it.
1: You uh, gotta you know. have love to love.
4: <laughs> I mean, it was, it was hard to hear because there was so much ambient noise. I mean, we yeah. knew it was that song, but there was something different about it, and I finally said, oh my god, that's Neil Diamond. Uh, secondly is that, that all bare-naked ladies
1: love good times. That's true. That is very Not true. just the band. Not just the band, but all bare-naked ladies. That's true. That's true. You know, the first time I ran into the bare-naked ladies, the band, uh, I, was, <laughs> I was in Canada with someone I was dating at the time, and hmm. we were walking down Yonge Street, and there was a sign, and it said, bare-naked ladies inside, and... The, the guy outside said it's not a strip club that's the band name and we went in and saw these wonderfully cool geeky Canadian guys singing and that was a trip and then about 10 years later they were a national act it was really cool
4: awesome
1: Yep. so <laughs> I, I would actually love to hear the bare naked ladies cover the album Good Times I think that would be great
3: I can see that actually that could work real well
1: oh it'd be awesome so guys do it <laughs> And don't forget, when using social media, we want to encourage everybody to use the hashtag Induct the monkeys. That's hashtag InductTheMonkeys, whether it's on Twitter or on Facebook. We want to get the guys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It is time. This is the year of the monkeys. Let's do it. Hashtag InductTheMonkeys. Please tell a friend about Zilch and let them know that we're here and what we do. If you're a monkeys fan, this is the podcast for you. The Blu-ray is on its way, and if you haven't purchased, you better get busy. Here it comes. The Monkeys: the complete series, is coming to Blu-ray. All 58 episodes, carefully remastered from the original 35mm prints, in high definition for the very first time. Ten jam-packed discs that also include the movie Head, the 1969 TV special, 33 and a third revolutions per monkey, Plus, an exclusive bonus disc full of surprises. Pre-order now at monkeys.com. This set is not available anywhere else and is strictly limited to 10,000 individually numbered copies. The Monkeys, the complete series on Blu-ray. Only at monkeys.com. So, Sarah, would you like to tell folks a little bit about what we're going to be talking about on this episode of Zilch?
3: Well, first up today, we're going to have Stephanie Annis, who is a well-known J-pop singer who did a really cool cover uh, version of She Makes Me Laugh.
1: That, that'll be a fun thing. And then later we have Nathan Cooper, who will drop by the Zilch headquarters, and he recently took his children to see The Monkeys.
3: Awesome. Next up, we have the opportunity to replay uh, Mike Nesmith's in- interview from Sirius XM on the show Little Steven's Underground Garage. Mighty Manfred interviewing Michael Nesmith.
1: Up next on the Zilch Hotline, we have Stephanie Yanez. Welcome to Zilch, Stephanie.
6: Oh, hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's, it's always good to have talented people on the show, and you are very talented. First, I'd like to find out, you know, before we let folks know why you're here, let's, let's find a little bit out about your monkey story. How did you find the monkeys? How did you get into them? What do the monkeys mean to you?
6: When I was a little girl, about four years old, I was watching Nick at Night and MTV in the 80s. And I started watching the monkeys. My mother was a fan of the monkeys when she was younger and she thought it was really funny that I started liking the monkeys in the eighties. My favorite monkey was and still is Davy Jones. I still have a diary entry where I wrote when I was four years old that I was gonna marry Davy Jones when I grew up. <laughs>
1: There's a, there's a lot of folks that have those uh, same kind I of know. diaries out there.
6: That's right, there is. <laughs> so I just really, um, I really enjoyed the monkeys, and even as a little girl when I was, like, four years old, and my mother would say that if I was, like, feeling sick or just not feeling well, she would just turn on the monkeys and um, my face. You know, would just light up, and I would start smiling and feeling better, because like they were so goofy, and they would just make me so happy.
1: <laughs> well, it's okay. always it's always excellent to to love the monkeys and share your love of monkeys, and you did that recently by sending a clip of you performing the song acapella and you kind of did background voices yourself so you were like a, a one-person acapella group in a sense right
2: mm-hmm, yes. and
1: and and that was the first cover that i had ever heard or seen it you were like the next day right <laughs> after <laughs> you were probably the first cover i saw of she makes me laugh i mean it was like the song came out and like the next day you had it all done and pretty much up on youtube and I said, well, I'd love to have you come on the show. And uh, like a week later, you had a full song done. And you did it with a gentleman named Ryan Spring, correct?
2: Mm-hmm. One
1: of your partners in crime. And before we play the tune, we'd like people to know a little bit about what you do. You're a singer-songwriter at American J-Pop. And you also model in, what would you say, the...
6: I model uh, Japanese fashion, but I also model for Hot Topic yeah. over here. Yeah, for like her universe. It's like a clothing brand that um, you know releases uh, clothes inspired by like Star Wars, mm-hmm. Star Trek. Yeah
1: very cool stuff Mm -hmm. so you're you're kind of like a walking cosplayer (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and I I understand you have some music that's doing pretty well elsewhere in the world Mm
6: mm-hmm yes I'm an uh, American j-pop singer and anime singer so I've been singing in Japanese since uh, 2004 I made my professional debut over at the really big anime convention called anime expo um, that's in California, mm-hmm. and I've just been um, singing in Japanese, but also English. And I have a a whole bunch of original music on iTunes and Amazon. And um, I'm currently working with a Japanese label.
1: And so you, you are know. literally big in Japan.
6: <laughs> I wouldn't call myself big, but I do ha- <laughs> I do have a fan base. Yeah. Well, there.
1: there you go. There you mm-hmm. go and
6: all over so it's really cool just anime is just international so
1: well that's fantastic Mm -hmm. well let's check out your take on She Makes Me Laugh (laughs) I apparently make you giggle so
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that I got her to think of she's fun as any Valentine I think about her And pictures Directing traffic in the mall
1: And that was a very cool version and what people may not realize but Ryan Spring the gentleman who put together the music on that he actually lives in Japan right now he's a huge monkeys fan as well
6: yes he is He's he's loved the monkeys ever since he was a little kid as well and I met Ryan Spring uh, through Japanese music so I thought it was really funny that he was actually a Huge fan of the monkeys, and I never knew.
1: That's awesome. You never know. And you met him through the internet. When did you find out that you had a love of monkeys together?
6: Yeah. So yeah, I met him through the internet, and I got to meet him in person in Japan last year. We had a show out there in Japan in Sendai. Sendai is where the big, you know, Japanese earthquake happened. So that's where Ryan lives. I found out that. He loves the monkeys recently because of all the new, you know, monkey songs and the new album coming out. And I was just talking to him and he's like, Oh my gosh, I love the monkeys and I was like, No way, I never knew. I thought, you know, he just liked the Japanese music that you know we discussed and he likes the stray cats a lot too. So I never knew that he loved the monkeys, so it's pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) It's all great music. And it's it's pretty neat to find out that a friend you already have some other things in common with is a huge monkeys fan. So we say hello to Ryan Spring. I'd like you to do me a favor, You, you actually speak Japanese, correct?
6: I do. I understand it more than speak it.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, can you say something like, uh, hello to all our Japanese friends?
6: Okay. Konnichiwa, Stephanie desu. Yoroshiku desu ka?
1: Someday I need to learn that because we have the Red Maraca group over there in Japan and me, Saro Hare, and everybody over there, you know, we, we love you all. Uh, can, can, can you say zilch loves you to our Japanese fans? Um, Very good So there's a little message To all our Japanese listeners (laughs) And everybody around the world So that's cool well, we want to thank you for coming by. Can you tell us where people can find your website and where they can find you on YouTube?
6: Yes, so you can find out everything about me over at stephaneyanez.com. That's stephaneyanez.com. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of music on my YouTube at Stephanie Yanez TV and a whole bunch of music on iTunes and Amazon and all over the place. And yeah, just please visit my website. That would mean so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Very good. Now, how do you say uh, goodbye or something like that?
6: Sayonara.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for being on Zilch today and sayonara. (laughs)
6: Thank you. Sayonara. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, this is Stephanie Ones. I love the monkeys, and you are currently listening to Zilch, a monkey's
4: podcast. So coming up next, we have Nathan Cooper telling the story of taking his children to see the monkeys.
1: (laughs) And we welcome to the Zilch podcast, friend of the show, Nathan Cooper. Hello, Nathan. Welcome to Zilch. Hi, Ken. Thanks a lot uh, for having me on. How are you? I'm doing very well. Now, we are back in tour season. The monkeys took a bit of a break and now they're back at it again, storming back and forth across America, turning everyone on with the cool monkey music. And you recently got to see the guys.
7: Yes, I was able to actually see the monkeys in Indianapolis on June 12th. I saw them at the Murat Theater, and I was able to take three of my kids with me, and they uh, had a really great time. I'm kind of jealous, though, because uh, as I understand it through Facebook, they're going to be in Dallas tonight, and uh, there are people there who are going to be passing out zilch buttons, and so uh, I'd really like to get one of those, but I won't be in Dallas, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. Uh, monkey fans from all over the, the world are meeting at these shows, and it's it's very cool. And if you're fortunate enough to have somebody organize a, 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 a zilch get-together, it's pretty cool. So yeah. tell us about your show, and how many times have you seen the monkeys before?
7: <clears throat> well, I have now seen the monkeys three times and before i went to the concert it would have been hard for me to pinpoint when exactly i saw the other uh, saw them the other two times however i did buy one of the tour books which is really cool because it chronicles every tour stop they've had from their inception until the present tour uh-huh. and so it was kind of nice because i could actually go back and look by year and say oh okay yeah that, that's when i saw them you know so I actually saw them in 1987 and again in 1989, both in Indianapolis, Man, and those good. incarnations were both with Peter, uh, Mickey, and Davey. So third time around, I got to take my, like I said, my three younger children with me, and uh, so it was a, a fantastic time. Andrew Sandoval has done an excellent job putting that tour book together. Yes, it's fantastic. I don't have his book that's... I understanding out of print and hopefully he will revise that and update that and re-release that. Um, But yeah, it's something I should track down, but he has done an outstanding job with that. It's been a lot of fun to look through. What
1: about the merchandise that was available? Did you get a kick out of anything in particular? Or?
7: Oh, yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'll give you a tiny backstory uh, if you want to hear this. We actually got a jump on getting our merch at the merchandise table because uh, we got a pretty decent deal on tickets. And for some reason, by some stroke of dumb luck, we actually got into the venue probably ten minutes early and we went and the merchandise table was almost completely empty, so we walked right up and got our our things so we didn't have to wait very long, but my two daughters that went with me, they each wanted a Mike hat, so they got a Mike hat each, and uh, that was really cool to see them in concert wearing the Mike hat, you know, so Mike wasn't at the concert, but a lot of people wearing his hat were there, so that was really (laughs) neat. We really liked uh, the Good Time shirt, we really liked the 50th anniversary shirt. Uh, My son picked up the gray shirt that has the older style of uh, the logo where it says the monkeys before it was the guitar shaped logo. And so, yeah, we, we picked up several items and it's a, a pretty good selection, I would say. I'm just pretty happy to see merchandise that featured all four monkeys.
1: And yeah, that's quite a treat because in years prior to this, it hasn't been a possibility if they weren't on the tour, then chances are they weren't represented. But now it's uh, thanks to John Hughes, Rhino, and Andrew Sandoval and everybody. It's They've made this happen, and it's very cool for longtime Monkey fans especially. You know, you mentioned your kids going with you, and we were talking off air, that one of the thrills of this year that, that you particularly had was taking your children with you. Why was that so important to you?
7: If I look back at my history, I became a Monkey's fan in the 80s, and I actually didn't get into them during the mtv marathon i really kind of missed that boat. but i really started uh getting into them when they were showing the reruns on nickelodeon shortly after that and so i was uh you know in my mid-teen years probably 14 or 15 at that time and i just really fell in love with the music i really fell in love with the show i loved the personalities of each of the the monkeys and i really loved the you know the television shows it was and is fantastic and so fast forward to you know five years ago maybe i started showing the episodes to my kids and they really liked the episodes and they liked the music that played during the episodes um and you know they have their favorite episodes as well but it was really neat because uh this being the 50th anniversary i really really wanted to go to the show and i kind of put it out to the kids you know hey would you like to go to the show they were interested but they weren't as excited as i was i mean they knew who the monkeys were they enjoyed the shows they enjoyed the music but uh three of my kids got on board with going and i would say by the end of the concert we've got three more really hardcore monkeys fans they were super excited and super happy to be at the show and they were glad they went and i was glad they went so it's kind of neat for me to take a love of something i had as a teenager and be able to pass that on to my kids and to see them enjoy it genuinely as much as i ever have
1: not only that you also have the thing where as a parent you know that you can kind of set the kids down in front of the monkeys and not have to worry about a lot of things and even though they were subversive in their own way it's a good subversion because they really do kind of at the end of the day it's about peace and love and that's not a bad thing to pass on to your kids
7: no not at all and yes there are those episodes that as adults we might raise our eyebrows at now especially (laughs) being you know 50 years later a lot of good messages peace and love like you said and good comedy too i mean it's just good television which you know i think is a little more lacking nowadays than than even back then, so yeah,
1: so it's something you can kind of do with your kids as a family,
7: yeah, I- exactly. And you know, all my kids are musically inclined, they all play either piano or a band instrument or whatever, so they really appreciate that and they understand music. And um, you know, a couple of my daughters will sit down and you know, pick out the songs that they've heard, you know, monkey songs that they love, and um. My kids are also uh, heavily involved in theater. So, you know, it's nothing for us to be driving around town in the van and someone will start belting out part of a song and then it's a chorus joining in. And so (laughs) lately, some of the uh, choruses that have been belting out around the house and in the van are a lot of the tunes from the new album, actually. Like, uh, I would say they would all probably agree that one of their favorite monkey songs is She Makes Me Laugh and Mm -hmm. they like you bring the summer and uh, as well as some of the classics like pleasant valley sunday and i'm a believer things like that so it's kind of neat to me because actually before i uh, got on the phone with you i asked them i said well if ken asks me what are your favorite songs what would you say and my son's not home now but my two daughters who went to the show they both said um she makes me laugh. That was the first one, and to me, it's neat because this is new music for us, and it's new for them. And it came out when they're a kid, and you know they've just gravitated toward the songs like we probably gravitated towards the original songs when we first heard those.
1: Right. So, Agreed.
7: so that's just kind of a neat thing. You know, the music's timeless, and to me, the uh, Good Times album is kind of indicative of, you know, their early career because the I think the music will stand up to be as timeless as their original songs have.
1: I think you might be onto something there. Yeah. Now, now let's talk a little bit about the touring band, the backup band of the monkeys because I'll tell you the band is just smoking. I mean, you don't get a bad performance from any of those guys. There's there's no lightweight everyone from Coco to Rich to Wayne to John to Dave to just everybody that's on that stage and the crew is just fantastic it's very professional very well done what are your thoughts on the Monkees backing band
7: oh well, well Ken let me tell you I have heard some of the interviews you've done in past episodes with some band members um and I will let me say this uh, for anyone who has not seen them on this tour yet, and there are shows coming your way by the time you hear this. If you haven't gone to see the show, or, you, or you're not sure if you're going to go, go see the show because the band is fantastic. The band, they're so tight and it's such an enjoyable experience. In my mind, when I heard the monkeys recordings in the past I'm like man that's really cool how did do how did they do that you know that particular section of a song or whatever well if you go to the show and you see what they perform you see how they do it you know it's amazing that they get the sound that they get you know out of the instrumentation that they have and uh they're just really solid and really tight peter's song i think it's called love lift me higher and they really are smoking at the end of that song and i You've got Peter with the banjo and the bass player and then the drummer. I think that's Rich. They're just going back and forth at the end of that song and it's they, just
1: they do a really cool trade off thing where they each play a lick and then they move to the next person.
7: Yes, and it's just you just if you haven't seen the show, when you see that, you'll just sit back in awe because it is so Fantastic to watch. Yeah, where they go back and forth and trade off like that—it's a real treat. Well, let's check a little bit of that out right now.
2: Edge, darkness, and darkness. Mr. George
5: Michael, thanks for all the pleasure she's given you through the years.
2: I am. Uh, Fooling around with this tune, and discovered that I had imported Motown to the hills of Appalachia, Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, strange jobs. Uh, strange putting things together.
7: You know, the show is fantastic, band's really tight, the video that plays in the background, it's like you struggle going back and forth between the video and watching them play. It's like almost, it would almost be helpful to watch it twice (laughs) so you could watch the video one show and watch them play the next show. It's just, it's fantastic and no one who sees the show I think will be disappointed because they've just brought it all to the forefront and uh, they're just doing a great job. They're, you know, doing songs that they've not done before and other tours. And so, uh, it's being, it, I think it's uh, a really special tour this time around.
1: Definitely is. Well, it's the 50th anniversary, and you heard it here, folks. Nathan Cooper says, if you go see the monkeys, go see them twice so you can check out the screen and the live band. So Yeah, you <laughs> unless you
7: have a better attention span than <laughs> I do, and you can't split your attention. <laughs> so, after
1: seeing what was on the screen does it leave you with
7: anticipation for the blu-ray which is coming out yes i have to admit that i do not own a blu-ray player but this might actually be the thing that would convince me to actually get one and i know i've heard that sentiment echoed on the facebook page as well yeah it looks fantastic on screen the visuals are great, and yeah, I know a lot of people are looking forward to that uh, Blu-ray release, and with all the extras on it, I mean, it's a bargain. Obviously, I would love to get my hands on the, on that as well. Do you force your children to listen to Zulch, or Are you not that mean of a parent? No, I. It. I, <laughs> number one, I don't think it would be uh, it'd be force uh, forceful to do that. And let me say in this in this side, and I don't know if this will actually make it under the show, but. For anyone who's never spoken with Ken Mills on the phone before, it's such a neat and surreal thing to hear such a friendly voice and such a comfortable voice to listen to, like to hear it on the telephone or on, you know, outside of the broadcast. So um, I would say that I wouldn't consider it torture for them, but um, <laughs> they don't actually listen to any really any podcast that I know of. They've asked me about, you know, well, what is this you're doing And I've, uh, with this podcast thing? And so I've tried to explain it to them, but um, I'm sure they'll probably at least listen to this episode, and hopefully I'll get them turned on. I know I uh, discovered the podcast probably episode 7 or 8, and when I discovered it, I obviously had to go back to the very beginning and binge listen to all of it. So, you know, maybe they'll be turned on to that as well. Okay, what are their names? okay um my daughter eleanor is she just turned 13 Mm -hmm. and uh my son henry will be 11 uh, this year and my daughter beatrice will be nine this year well you know uh there's a lot of famous people that listen to
1: zilch and hopefully we'll be able to add these famous people to uh among the people that listen to zilch it's uh the famous eleanor cooper the famous beatrice cooper and the famous henry cooper so hello guys uh your daddy uh
7: loves you and
1: we love you here at zilch as well so there you go
7: <laughs> <laughs> very cool i'm sure they'll love hearing that so dad
1: you're such a nerd <laughs>
7: yeah <laughs> yeah well you know i'd rather if being a monkey's family would be a nerd i'd rather be a nerd than not one so right right
1: uh. What else can you expect? You know, we're parents, we're old, and we're nerdy. And, you know, right. we always were. That's why we love the Monkees and everything else we do, and the Beatles and everything else. Yeah.
7: What's that famous song in the 80s? It's hip to be square. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hip to be a Monkees fan. And, you know, yeah. it is
1: kind of hip to be a Monkees fan nowadays.
7: It is, yeah. You know, there is such a wealth of material that the Monkees created in such a short time. And when, when you think about it now, a lot of bands take, you know, a couple years to produce an album. And, you know, they were back in an era where, you know, two or three albums in a year was the norm. What my hope is, is that the people who are newly turned on to the Monkees will choose to delve into the treasure trove, what I consider the treasure trove of, of all of their material from the 60s. I know, um, I mean, I, I have a few few little stories as far as how I discovered the Monkees. Um, and some of it was kind of by accident, um, like I remember I actually went to, a I started out like my, my aunt had like the first three albums, I believe, and my cousin and I kind of got into the band together through those first three albums. And then, uh, sometime later, I remember going to a flea market and I was looking through record albums and this was the mid eighties and I saw an album and like, I looked closely and I'm like, wait a minute, that's the Monkey's logo, what is that? And it turns out it was the Pisces album and mm. I just happened to stumble across it and I happened to notice the outline of the monkeys guitar among all the hand-drawn flowers, so I picked it up and, you know, my eyes lit up, I'd never heard of this album and so I picked that up, you know and uh, as my, you know, fanaticism grew for the group, you know, I started seeking out all of the different albums and, you know, as well as I do that Back in the 80s, you know, you didn't have the Internet. You didn't have uh, all that information at your fingertips. So it was almost kind of like a treasure hunt to 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 find out what what was actually released. You know, so um, I, you know, I discovered uh, Head and Insert Replay. My cousin actually found those at a garage sale and i listened to those and, you know, he would make me a little tape copy of it or whatever. And so that's what we had forever until like the mid 90s when all the CDs came out. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of uh, my hope, getting back to my point, <laughs> is it's my hope that a lot of these new fans or people who are newly getting into the group actually listen to and kind of seek out some of their older material because, like I said, there's just a wealth of, of material that they put out, and it's, by and large, really quality material. Agreed.
0: Here I'm sleepy what can it mean
7: to a believer and a queen? when they came on with daydream believer which incidentally Davy is my son Henry's favorite monkey he said he has such a pretty voice and he just really likes him I had told them on the way there that uh, story that Mike had Discussed with Mickey about Daydream Believer now belongs to the fans, and so they sing it. And so, um, I actually was explaining, you know, during that, you know, let's go over the chorus, you know, because we get to help sing that song. And uh, so, I'm sitting there right next to my son during that, and I look over at him, and he uh, this is <laughs> slightly emotional, he had his head buried in his hands during that song, and it kind of puzzled me because, you know, Davey's his favorite monkey, he really likes that song. And uh, he kind of looks up a little bit, and he's just got tears streaming down his face, and um, it just really got to him—the emotional uh, aspect of that because of you know Davy's passing. And uh, you know, I comforted him, comforted him, and he, you know, he ended up being able to you know sing part of the song. But I talked to him later, and he said, "Dad," he said, "I can't see how anybody can listen to that song and not just cry when they think about Davy." And that really kind of got to me. So you know, there's a deep connection there. And it was just a, it was a, it was a cool thing to, to experience with him, you know, just the, the, the level of connection he had with the experience and, and, you know, to think about Davy, and to think about, you know, just, you know, for a 10, almost 11 year old kid to go through that kind of emotion for that, it was just kind of a, a neat little thing there, you know. That
1: had to be a very emotional moment there. And I want to thank you for sharing that with us. And it's just
7: it just kind of shows how much we all miss Davy, and we all oh, loved him for and. sure. It's just he is he is sorely missed, and I just I know. I mean, it's a it's it's a bittersweet thing. I mean, we're celebrating the Monkeys' fiftieth anniversary, and at the same time, we we all wish that Davey could be here with us to to see that. But we have to believe that you know he knows what's going on, and uh, that somewhere he's you know looking down at, at everything and just. Uh, he's, he's gotta be, he's gotta be pleased to know that there are young generations of monkeys fans continuing to enjoy their music. Um, you know, I know Davey was very, uh, he was, he very much enjoyed being involved with the set list for the show and performing, you know, and the, and the tours and all that. So, um, you know, I've got to think that, um, you know, he would be very pleased to know that, you know, there are lots of people who love him and think about him and, Probably not a day goes by that, you know, there's not somebody who's touched by that, you know, by that song and just by his memory. So,
1: very true, very true. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on Zilch today. I'm so glad that you got to share this with your children.
7: Yeah, Ken, it was great. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and, and to share the, the whole experience with everybody. And, you know, let me reiterate to everybody if you haven't made plans to go see him, go see them it'll it only comes around you know 50th anniversary will not come around again so uh you know take advantage of the fact that they're touring so extensively i mean there's so many shows you know there's there's geographically speaking there should not be any reason for people to uh say they can't make it to a show
1: well if you get a chance to check out the monkeys on tour you better check it out and of course we have eleanor cooper beatrice cooper and henry cooper to uh add to the list of people recommending the show right so hi everyone out there
7: hi guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah well ken i can tell you they'll definitely be listening to this episode of zilch because i'm going to tell them that uh they're going to be mentioned on it so i'm sure they'll want to listen for sure
1: excellent all righty well thank you for being on zilch and we will see you around
7: all right don't forget to monkey around everybody and ken thanks a lot and uh good talking to you thank you
8: one,
0: two, three. Hi, this is Talia Jones. And this is Sarah Jones.
3: And, and you're listening, are to listening to the Zilch podcast. podcast.
8: One, two,
0: three. Hi, this is Talia Jones. And this is Sarah Jones. And, and you're listening, listening to Zilch, the Zilch A Monkey's Podcast.
6: podcast. <laughs> Hi, it's Annabelle Jones. Help us carry on our father's legacy by becoming a member of the DJMF today and caring for the horses that he loves so dearly. So you can learn more about the DJMF at www.djemf.com. If you want to learn more about Written in Our Hearts, you can visit them on Facebook. And if you'd like to purchase the book, it's available on Amazon.
1: To help take care of Davy Jones's herd... And to find out more information on the Davy Jones Equine Memorial Foundation, go to www.djemf.com.
3: Here's Mighty Manfred interviewing Michael Nesmith.
5: This is the Mighty Manfred, and I am so honored today to be speaking with Michael Nesmith of the Monkees. How are you, Mike? Very good. Come me to drink water. <laughs> Before I knew that we were going to speak, I saw an article online in Salon.com where your bandmate Peter Tork puts the Monkees' songbook as like the third best of the 60s behind the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Do you agree with that? I,
8: I, well, I understand the spirit of it, uh, I, but, you know, what I don't—what I probably won't go along with is I don't rate things like that. I don't like to compare things one to the other, but I'm, you know, I'm happy to uh, stipulate to what they say. Yeah.
5: <laughs> well, my impression is that back in the 60s, you led the bands fight to get your own compositions recorded, so I've always wondered what, what is or was your feeling of relationship to those brill-building songwriter hits?
8: Well, of course, The Brill Building produced the the first two albums, um, all the good songs off of those albums, great writers, Neil and Jeff Berry and Jerry and Carol and, well, you know the writers there. Right. But there was a a, a collision between the East Coast and the West Coast uh, corporate heads, uh, specifically with our producers and the uh, music producers back there. We weren't really a part of that. It's It's a common myth that we struggled against some powerful overlords in order to gain the right to do our own music. We could play when we got into the show, not very well, certainly not as well as the people who made the records, the session guys that played on the records, like the Wrecking Crew and those guys. But we could play, and when it became obvious that we were going to have to go out and perform, not have to go out and perform, but we had the opportunity to go out and perform, Right. And to get next to people and play live, which is one of the great joys of uh, doing music anyway, uh, we uh, we knew, okay, well, we're going to have to start really playing. And then as we started playing, we looked at each other and we said, well, we could make the next album. So we proposed that. We said, look, we'll, we'll make the next album. And the producer said to us, oh, can you do that? Well, all right, let's do it. You know, it's a lot of work. You're going to have to work on it after you're shooting all day and so it's are you prepared to step up that we said yeah, and that just started a fire back in the east Coast that we didn't really anticipate we didn't really know that it was going to be a problem and the producers our producers on the west coast threw themselves into that breach and they said oh well you know come we'll fight the fight you go make the record and that's kind of the way it all came down we didn't uh, you know it never was really a battle with anybody but that record triggered so many uh, acrimonious uh, collisions between uh, the East and West Coast uh, machine, uh, it kind of became famous. And all we could do at that point was we just kept going. Headquarters was the only album we actually ever made as a band.
2: Right, The
8: ones that followed after that were, were Mickey and Peter and David and I going into the studio on our own with our own session guys doing songs that we were choosing and so forth. But mostly because, because the East Coast people ran away. So that's, you know, it it, it, uh, it was a lot
5: less uh, confrontational and a lot less uh, violent than it's made out on television. Well, yeah. Well, so this notion of you punching walls and, uh, and Don Kirschner. Well, that, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was true.
8: That was true. A couple of things. First of all, I did it for effect. You know, right. the guy he was with insulted me and. And I didn't have the, the uh, you know, calmness and presence of mind to be just, you know, not react to that, just be, a, you know, easygoing. And so I, I took umbrage, and I slammed my fist against the wall. was very surprised to find out that there wasn't much of a wall there, and it the collapsed. <laughs> so, so it was all kind of, it was like that. I mean, I was angry, but I was probably, you know, more angry than I should have been, and I could have not done it. No, there wasn't a, there wasn't much to it other than just, you know, the drama. But, you know, what's TV going to seize on if it doesn't seize on something like that?
5: Right. Well, hey, the new album, Good Times, that is available. And on there, some real building era uh, songwriters and uh, you contribute a song. Peter contributes a song. Plus, there are kids on there. Like I had 48-year-old producer Adam Schlesinger and uh, Rivers Cuomo and uh, Ben Gibbard. How did those kids, let's call them get involved and second, what was it like working with Adam as a producer?
8: Well it was great working with Adam. He's a pro he's uh, you know he's he knows what he's doing. I think he did a great job on the record. The um, <clears throat> the kids as you call them uh, <laughs> all um, came about because Adam and John Hughes and Andrew Sandoval uh, all those guys over at Rhino when they started talking about you know look, the monkeys were willing to come and do another record. How do we do it? They sort of hatched an idea that we'll get really great songwriters, like we did in the in like they did in the '60s,
2: right. to come in.
8: But there was a, a kind of a fortunate connection between indie rock and the old, you know, power pop or whatever you want to call it from our era. Right. And these these new songwriters are saying, "Well, we write that stuff right now." And so we listened to some of it and it was sensational. I mean, I really enjoyed it. And so Adam put it together, had some of the, the the backing tracks and stuff done, got some guide vocals on there. And then Peter and Mickey and I came in, we put our parts on it, we sang on it and uh, and played on it. Peter's the only one that i uh, among us who plays banjo. So when you hear the banjo on there, that's Peter. And I played the 12 string for a long time. So it made the 12 strings jangle in there. Although Mike Viola did most of the work on the twelve string, and it it started to just polish up in such a way that there was a lot to be proud of and and really contemporary songs. Did you do you
5: like the record? Yeah, I do. I was listening uh, to it uh, all day yesterday. Dennis said uh, forwarded it uh, to me, and um, I really love the the mixture of the uh, the o- older you know songwriters with 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 the newer guys. Um, uh, specific. First, talking about the uh, the new album, this week's uh, coolest song in the world is Birth of an Accidental Hipster, that one written by Noel Gallagher and Paul Weller. I want you to tell me uh, how you guys came to, uh, how you, uh, you kind of explained how, how maybe the song was delivered to you guys, but uh, well, what did you think of that particular song?
8: Well, I think it's the coolest song in the world. I think it's so that's perfect. I agree with you. Adam had, had asked them to write Noel and Paul, and so they had put together this uh, very spotty kind of—I um, don't know how—if you, you've never heard a demo, I don't know how to classify, it, but very demo-like uh, pieces of of, of of the song that you now hear. And Adam and uh, and one of the Rhino guys, John, came up to my house uh, and and and. They were listening to my songs, and they wanted to play me the songs that had been coming in the door. So they played me the Nolan Paul song. At Mm -hmm. that point, there was no title for it. And um, I said, you know, that's going to make a great song. I'm on for singing that. And so, yeah, let's do it. Let me know the minute that it all comes together. Then they went. Nolan Paul made the full demo, which included uh, their vocals. They sent it to me. I learned it. I learned the song and, uh, and some of the, you know, how to do it. And Adam said, "Okay, well, uh, let me put Mickey on, get his parts going, and then you you can put your parts on." And I said, "Okay." By that time, Adam, we were out of the studio, and I said, "Well, I'm going to have to use my son's studio, Christian, his studio, and and then, uh, but Christian, who's a vocal arranger and and uh, uh, you know an excellent vocal arranger and a kind of pro musician, <clears throat> I said, I want him to do some background vocals." He said, "Great." Uh, he can arrange oh, cool. some vocals. So I, I went in there, Christian arranged the background vocals. He said, sing this, sing this, sing this. So I sang all that, sang the lead of it, and we sent it over to Adam, and then Adam had Mickey come in and put in his parts and sing his parts of the background vocal that Christian had arranged, and bang, there you had the record.
5: So this new album coincides, coincides with like the 50th anniversary of the band. How did uh, Davy Jones's uh, passing affect the project?
8: Well, it didn't happen in the middle of the project, of course. It was in 2012, and, right. um, and it was, you know, it was a blow to all of us. I mean, uh, one of the ways I like to describe it, because I'm asked this question a lot, it's like you lose one of the colors on your palette if you're a painter. Yeah. You suddenly go from four vibrant colors to three vibrant colors, and but one color you can't use. And so to find Davy back in the vault like that was, was great. Although it's time-worn, you know, all of us know that. Right. And it feels uh, it feels a little bit, you know, it, it, it brings up some some nostalgia to make us wish he was here. And it would have been great to have him sing, you know, here comes the summer. Uh, or you bring the summer. And it's, um, but he's not. And so this is a great way to have him included. It includes his uh, heirs and it's part of his legacy to them. So it just works out great. And,
5: and we're, talk- uh, we're talking about the Love to Love song that's on the album, the Neil Diamond that's written correct, tune. Yes. When, when yeah, was um,
8: that recorded? It's probably 67, 68. Yeah.
5: You know, when the uh, back in the day when the band had first been formed, and and you guys, uh, you know, playing your instruments and wanting to play in front of people, and your bandmates on tour, uh, sitting on their itinerary, they're doing a lot of shows. No, de- no desire on your end to work a bunch of dates night after night.
8: <laughs> well. You know that you you just you just hit the the button there though. The it, bunch of shows night after night was a non-starter for me. I was yeah. I, I was I was basically double booked by the time they started putting the show to uh-huh. the tour together, and I had made a commitment <clears throat> to my publisher to deliver a book uh, by the end of the summer. It's uh, and and uh, so I, I was I was locked out of it. But we we said okay. Well, so. Now, you guys are out there, and by the way, they do a great show. I mean, if you're thinking about going to see a monkey show, you'll be totally satisfied with the uh, Mickey and Peter's show. Uh, but <clears throat> uh, I said, if you're if you're out there and I get a date, and we can put the schedule together, you know, I'll come and, and I'll play a show or two. And they said, you know, anytime you want, just say the word and we'll make it work. We said I would still have to find it a place for it to fit, but if we come up with one a date like that or two or three, We'll let everybody know. We're not going to, you know, run a lottery on it. It's not a surprise. It's like Nez might not come. So if you buy a monkey's ticket, you're really, you know, I, there's no plans for me to be there at the moment. And when there are plans for me to be there, we'll let everybody know. We'll make sure to well promote it, the space and the time and where it's going to be and so forth, so everybody gets a chance to come. And I'd love to put together you know, two or three or a half a dozen times when uh, I can go out and meet up with them, depending on what my, uh, my schedule starts to look like. And we also are hoping that we can do a 50th concert festivals of some kind. It'd be great if we could get, for instance, the people who help make good times come all together. It'd be great to see Fountains of Wayne together again. Great to see Noel and Paul up there. So they're all invited to do something like that. But none of that is is in, is in planned right now. We don't have any of it. Right now, Mickey and Peter are out, they got a long tour ahead of them. <clears throat> it's a great show. I'm not going to be on it, and uh, they're they're underway. They're they
5: off and playing right now. And it's, now you mentioned changes, just uh, as you were describing course. this, you mentioned uh, a book that you had uh, to do finish up by the end of the summer. What is what's that about?
8: Well, it's a nonfiction book. It's not a memoir, but it's uh, it's a it, it traces a certain pattern of how the counterculture. Turns into the cyberculture, some of the spiritual underpinnings of that. I mean, it's a book. Book, you know, it's not. It's not. It's a hard thing to uh, to describe really on the radio, but it's. Uh, it's. It, it takes a lot of work. It's very. Uh, and I've been working on it since. Uh, uh, the f- since 15, and and uh, then when I sold it to Random House, who's my publisher, Crown, Random House Crown, um, we made a deal that uh, you know. They're going to put it out first quarter of '17, so I've got to have it delivered by uh, November, and uh, we're in the final editing stages of it. But I got another four chapters to do, and these are, you know, these are high research chapters. And they're they're, it's not it's not a memoir or or they made a monkey out of me kind of book. It's a uh, it's it's a completely different sort of examination of uh, the the culture from from the '60s to now.
5: Hey, you wrote the song "Mary Mary" and it's on more of the monkeys, but the Paul Butterfield Blues Band did it like a year earlier. I was wondering how how did they come? Uh, how were they able to uh, find that song? Or you had maybe you had some songwriting publishing deal or something prior to the monkeys? Yeah, I was uh, <clears throat> I was signed to a, a publishing company owned by
8: Randy Sparks. He was an entrepreneur and impresario who started the New Christy Minstrels, and he signed me up to a publishing deal. And uh, "Mary Mary" was one of the first songs that I wrote. And it was taken to Paul uh, by uh, a guy that worked at the publishing company, and they recorded
5: it. Well, that must have felt pretty good. I mean, this was happening oh, yeah. you know, prior to the Monkees. You know, I want yeah. us uh, not sure how much time we got left here, but uh, I want to talk about the album's uh, title track, "Good Times." It's a Harry Nilsson song, and my understanding is that years ago, you and he were going to record that song, but never got around to it or finished it off. What's What's the story on the title track, "Good Times"? Well, Harry
8: was really a friend of the proceedings. He and Mickey became very close. I loved the guy. We, we were very close. We, we were all kind of, you know, uh, uh, in brothers in arms. But yeah. um, uh, Harry, and, and, and Harry was all constantly right. He wrote a bunch of songs. He wanted to be part of the Monkees thing. He really got the pop culture. I think Harry got it better than we did. He was... Uh, he was a very astute, highly intelligent guy. And uh, he, he, just what you said, he wrote Good Times. He wanted it to be in the monkeys. It worked out to not be there. But uh, Harry and I did sort of a demo of it, and um, then uh, uh, they, they pulled it out of the vaults. And they said, well, this is a pretty good song. It is a bit time-worn. You know, it feels like something from the 60s. But Harry's on it. And Ricky sings with him, mm-hmm. so it pops, you know, it, it, it comes to life, and uh, I play a little 12-string on it, and, you know, it moves along.
5: You know, I read that uh, your parents sent you, a like, a guitar when you were off in the Air Force, and is that when you started playing music?
8: No, I, I don't know where a lot of those things happen. Uh, those stories happen. I got a guitar for Christmas uh, of uh, my 19th year, and... Uh, that's when I started playing, and they gave it to me because I had seen Hoyt Axton, who was a folk singer-songwriter, play at a club in Oklahoma, and I said, I really want to go do that, but I don't have a guitar, and i got to learn how to play it. And they said, well, if we give you a guitar, you still have to go to college, and I said, okay, if you give me a guitar, I'll go to college, and they did, so I did. <laughs> I, went down, I went down to San Antonio and went to San Antonio College.
5: And so they gave you a guitar. You went to college. You finished college, and then you went into the air, into the uh, service. No, well, this was after the service. Oh, okay. I've been and in the service. I went. i done my duty in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And then you had the, you you felt the music in you, and it was out to California.
8: Yep. Well, my girlfriend got pregnant when we were in college, and in the '60s, this was like, oh, oh, this is you know a calamity. And, but it wasn't a calamity. It was a great, blessed event. And what we wanted to do was uh, get out of there and get away from trouble. And I said, well, we can go to New York or L.A., and I can try to make a living playing the guitar and uh, and trying to sing songs, and I can write a little bit. And we basically decided, my uh, girlfriend, soon-to-be wife, <clears throat> decided, let's go where the
5: weather's good. That was in California. <laughs> so that's what we did. And that was a great decision. Michael, thank yes, you so much. Uh, thank you so much for talking with me today on our Coolest Conversations. My pleasure. And let's take a listen to some good times. Got them going on here. It's the monkeys in Little Steven's Underground Garage.
1: All righty. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Zilch. Please tell a friend about Zilch and let them know that we're here and what we do. If you're a Monkees fan, this is the podcast for you. And don't forget, when using social media, we want to encourage everybody to use the hashtag InductTheMonkees. That's hashtag InductTheMonkees, whether it's on Twitter or on Facebook. We want to get the guys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It is time. This is the year of the Monkees. Let's do it. Hashtag InductTheMonkees. It's really cool to have you guys in the same studio. It really sounds neat. Works for us too. Yeah, yeah. we're
3: really happy to. You should come down more often. I should. There yeah.
1: you go. We'll just make a clean out a little cat box for you in a, in the corner and you're it'll be all set. <laughs> have 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 Pink Party hat we'll travel. A Pink Party hat has seen better days. Ah. I may have to buy a new one for the next show. Well there you go. So we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Zilch and we hope that you had a good time. And I mean I was I was there and I am told we had a good time. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of Zilch. Melanie, is there anything you'd like to say in closing?
4: I'd just like to say that I'm so excited to be part of this podcast every month.
1: Very cool. Bye. Bye.
6: Bye.
4: And that's our show.
6: Zilch Bye. is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fancy made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.
5: <laughs> Don't, now. Now, really, everybody cool it, because I'm going to be able to get through this. Actually. Hey, wow. It's a
4: groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. She has a neat
2: button. What does it say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's go again. And just in case we're invaded by aliens, and we welcome our new alien overlords. I what will I, I will, I will say something. I'm going to sit here and be quiet, which is a so strange... Away, she moves. Short but sweet. Much like Davy something. himself. Yes. <laughs> Uh Melanie, I'll tell you what, I'll have you do something. uh, uh
4: Well, thank God for that. No. I keep <laughs> all the oh, I'll do something.
1: Okay. Well, I'm sorry that took so long, but I just enjoyed talking to you.
3: Oh, we like talking to you too. Nobody
1: talks to me. I'm home alone all day. They let me out, they feed me every so often. Well, that was you- uh, Hey, go on. You were saying? Not, no. No, you. No, you. No, you. No, you. After I was you, just I say insist. Because could... I stepped on you like an idiot. No uh, comment. Well, she
4: did trip over her own tongue earlier, so she was lying flat on the floor while she uh, did that. Very good. Mm-hmm. Which made it possible for you to step on her.
3: Yeah. Right. On Sirius XM, uh, with uh, on a going I try that again. <laughs> my turn to do
1: that. You did that so well, though.
3: Yeah, I just tripped over my tongue.
1: It happens. Michael Nesmith being intr. I almost messed up, ooh, okay. Ooh, ooh, ah, ah,
4: ah. There we go, there's one for the bloopers.